when we were talking about ISIS and I was talking about how they're not Muslim, yeah, they may claim it, but once you violate the tenets of war, for example, right? You can only fight in defense. You can only, you can't hurt women and children. You can't, that sort of thing. You cease to be Muslim. Welcome to Crossing Faiths, where Christian Muslims speak religion and politics. I'm John Pinna, and this is Matthew Hawkins. We are both uh, former colleagues, both directors uh, of our respective uh, faith groups, uh, Southern Baptist Conference and uh, American Islamic Congress. I'll leave you guys to guess which one is which. And then uh, we're season nine of Crossing Faiths. So we've got our, our big speaker list that's that's coming, and we're just... Uh, getting our feet wet after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, some uh, international affairs issues and, and family and personal issues came to bear. Uh, and now we're back in, in the saddle. So our last uh, recording was uh, related to the abortion issue uh, in Roe versus Wade. Yep. And we went pretty heavily into that on, on your side. We got a question that came up uh, across my desk on how Islam views abortion. And I'm always very careful because I don't speak for Islam. Um, this is a, it's a treacherous waters, but I, I generally we Islam all know is, you speak for all of Islam, John. What's that? We all know you speak for all of Islam. Can you imagine <laughs> That's the point of the podcast? Why am I having you on here? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, my caveat is, is that, so my organization, which is uh, Muslims for Muslims International, one of the pillars of the organization is intra-faith engagement. Uh, and there's, I think there's a lot of multi-faith engagement that goes on, and it's very healthy. Uh, so there's a lot of deuses out there where there's a Christian, a Muslim, and a Buddhist, and so forth. But there's not a lot of deuses or de, you know, I don't know what the plural is of deists. Uh, so do I? <laughs> day I. Uh, there's not a lot of of deuses that have different sects of Islam and the mainstream Islam. And when I say mainstream Islam, I speak of the outcomes and and outputs of the Amman message, the Amman conference in 2005, but in 2004, 2005, which defined what mainstream Islam is, uh, and said that there's there might be other groups out there, but they're not mainstream. There's four sects on on the on the Shia side and four sects on the, on the Sunni side, and there's not a lot of of deuses where Muslims are discussing their differences and talking about global issues and collaborating on them, and that's one of the of the the key elements of of Muslims for Muslims International. So, uh, but. Because of the nature of a podcast, apparently, you know, it's, I'm, I'm speaking on my own about Islam. But generally, we were talking about uh, our last uh, it is sort of recording, we were discussing abortion in Roe versus Wade and the overturning. And I had sort of poked the bear a little bit about how happy your tribe must be. And sure. And I and we I talked very personally about it and kind of glazed over in Islam. It's not yeah, we, it's kind of a non-issue because it's like the generally against it. But I figure I might as well just talk a little bit about you know, it, it. It's forbidden generally, um, but there's these caveats. And yeah, and where where does that where does that um, where does that forbiddenness come from? Is it is it? Well, it's dignity of human person, sanctity of life, and then you get this whole idea of uh, and, and and I didn't. I really didn't get into, didn't want to get too deep into the terminology, but the ensoulment of the individual. Um, so the idea that there's, that it's, it's a, that's a person, right. And then, then, there, then there's a soul, right. So, um, and there's an identity behind that, but generally it's forbidden uh, generally. And, and it's forbidden for multiple reasons, but dignity of human person, preservation of life and the idea of ensoulment, right. And so the idea is that it's ensoulment happens and through general agreement. And of course, this is where I start getting to uh, around the 120th day of gestation, right? So that's when that's ensoulment happens, happens after that. So I, I don't know where that sits with everyone else's tribe, your tribe, but after 120 days, it's in, there's of a gestation, the individual, the insolment occurs, right? But 
it, it is allowed or is so you do have there is a theological underpinning uh, for Islam to uh, oppose abortion. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. But it's rooted, there's caveats. It's in the, and it's rooted in the human person and human dignity. Dignity of the human person and and the idea of insolment, right? So that's really, really important, right? And so, but if there's, you know, the threat of harm to the mother, the status of the pregnancy before, right, insolment, right? Um, and then you have this, um, it's like the fetal anomalies, Right. So if there's a problem, but after insolment, you, that it's permissible for those three reasons. But after insolment, then it, it even if there are like fetal anomalies, then it's then, then it's it's absolutely not. Uh, and that's sort of a, that's a general consensus. I would probably say like 98 percent, 97 percent. If I was going to put a number on it, agree on those components. Of course, there's special circumstances like you know, rape and those sort of things. Uh, and, and so I think there's, there's those, those issues would be taken very, uh, would be t- taken in accordance with whatever special events occurred. And, and there might be a, a sort of a special fatwa ruling on those things, but I don't want to, I, I, generally speaking, Islam is against it. It's forbidden. And generally speaking, there are specific caveats, which I just listed, right? This idea of insolment in 120 days. And then if there's anomalies, if there's threat to the harm to the mother, that sort of thing. And, and those are acceptable within a judicious type of decision-making process. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to make sure we address that. Yeah, sure. I think, and the, I think the, the question I would have after, if we don't, if we don't want to get into this right now, because I think it's, you could kind of preview maybe a, a response but I think the question is, like, for Muslims, like Christians, uh, given that position on abortion, uh, what then, uh, what then are any obligations, if any, to helping shape public policy uh, in the context of a liberal of a liberal democracy? Which is uh, which is difficult because all of our text, right? Uh, your your holy text, my holy text, it's all written. Our in context. Holy text. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the only difference is is <laughs> so, our holy text, respectively, <laughs> if you prefer. I just had this really terrible conversation because, and I don't want to get into the Pauline camp well, as well, we always do, but uh, I was discussing with an evangelical friend of mine, and we. It, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, I, I said I was trying to describe how as uh, a Muhammad, you know, peace be upon him and his family, the the idea of revelation I was using that in the in the in the in the uh, evangelical context, having the Quran revealed is is. What, what's similar about it is it's this, it's a similar experience to what evangelicals and Christians think Paul's interaction with Hazadisa is, right? Okay. So this idea of this divine inter, interface interaction, yeah, right? And so, but the difference I think is, is that Paul just started, started writing very personal and contextual letters to individuals that became the canon and and that's very that's different than the living word of of, of God, right? The the actual. Um, it, it would be different. It would be a different, um, shall we say, like literary origin than 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 you would see the Quran. Yeah, it's and yeah. Both, it's, both, so, both both authors had uh, supernatural experiences, some kind of direct experience with the divine. Um, but then <clears throat> Muhammad believes he's right. He's, he's conveying a direct message from the Lord, uh, or through, through Gabriel, through Gabriel, um, you know, like, and then, and then Paul, uh, while he, there's clearly evidence he believes his, his, his writing, uh, is harmonizes with the Holy scripture and inspired by God. He's writing letters to groups of churches and later individuals. Uh, and that who, and then, then the, the church later collectively, uh, later, right. Uh, adopts those as, as canonical. 
uh, scripture. Right. And it's, so it's, I, a, I get your, yeah, I get, it's a, it's so it's a, a really, it's a different, it's the same type of, the same type of meeting essentially, right. The same type of, of, of extraordinary event um, that are series of events that where there is, there's a profound difference in the before and after because something extraordinary happens, but the way of going about it is different in how it becomes a text. One is, is the living word and the other is a, a is digested and then component and the components are shut out by Paul to specific communities to, I don't know how I say argue, but almost lay the foundations of convincing others of what's going on or explaining specific points so that they're, they join the camp. So it's a little bit. Yeah. And he's, he's doing a lot in those letters. I think he's uh, doing a lot of convincing. Well, he's doing a lot. Of, he's also doing a lot of um, like navigating, right? So a lot of his letters yeah. to churches in particular have to do with uh, churches who have conflict in them and yeah. uh, they don't know what to do or they need some direction. And so Paul comes in um, and tries to say, basically, given uh, particularly as in his position as a very prominent uh and, yeah. and educated Jew uh, who believes that Jesus is the son of God and who rose right. from the dead. It's the bet you could summarize, you could summarize Paul's letters into two words, basically now what, right? Yeah. G- given any of these particular situations and conflicts, given the fact that we believe Jesus is Messiah, uh, how then do we, or now what, like how then do we um, go about life uh, inside the body of the church and, and outward? Um, but my question, my point, raising our scripture, uh, which wow. I think is a it's a fascinating uh, dilemma for a lot of religions, not just Christianity and Islam. And advocacy. Well, yeah, well, advocacy and just uh, in within Christian within Christianity, some we contemporary contemporary label for it is Christian citizenship. Right. Um, uh, and I think it's just not an it, issue. Well, you know, well and, that, and that's my that is my question to you. That's how, that was what I said in the last in the last talk, our last conversation. It's just not an issue because the the lines are so defined. Look, you get married, okay, and the first thing they first thing their mom says to you is, "We expect you to have a family in a year." That's it. And you know, like this is not there's that, and it's it's this isn't implicit. It's explicit. That's what the that's what their mom says to every Muslim. And I, I I'm not sure there's any Muslim that that has ne- ever and is never been said to ever. You get married, expect a family in a year. We expect more than one, you know, like it's just, I think, and it's very, very direct. Um, and, uh, see, at least least you guys are direct with it. That, that happens within Christian circles, but it's not explicitly stated by the clergy. It's kind of a cultural, um, it's kind of a a cultural uh, influence. Um, right. So, so it's, there's not, it's not like things are, um, it's not like I said. There's not a lot of impl- implicit elements. Ninety-seven percent of the Quran is how to live. Okay. Then on top of that, you have different books, interpretive books on Islamic law by specific members of the uh, uh, religious scholars. Right. So uh, you know, for example, if you're you could you could if you're Sunni, you could follow Usmani, right? Who's a specific guy, or or you could if you're it could be Sistani or Shirazi if you're Shia, if you're Twelver, and that's where you want to go. So you could there's 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 in, if you want more specificity, all right. And every book of Islamic law will say that you need to be a good jurist, and no one can tell you how to be a good Muslim. You have to, it's up to you. But a lot of people defer to books of Islamic law, and and uh, and what scholars sort of have encountered and then arbitrated on. So a good example, this is when I was working as American Islamic Congress, we had uh, ambassadors for peace and uh, which was a program that that focused on mitigating harm, mitigating problems before they escalate into violence, particularly on a tribal religious level and stuff like that. And, and we were arbitrating over cases, you know, uh, 5,000 cases a year or something like that. And, uh, and and because of who I am and my status, I would be in Iraq and I'd be talking because I'm an independent arbitrator and and have somewhat some authority. Uh, but I'm also I'm also objective because I'm not part of any tribe or. And so it, there was an ability to say, okay, this is how we're going to interpret the law. And 
And, and in many cases in the Middle East, the law that is is still in place uh, or the law is deferred to is Ottoman law. Right. Um, yeah. Which is well, like well, somewhere it's, it's Hanafi or, you know, Maliki kind of flows in there, but that's the most yeah. sort of liberal sort of, this is, this is what exists. So, um, but generally it's, there's nothing implicit. There's nothing you, you don't have to really think. And that's, that, that I don't want that to sound the way it sounds. We don't have to really think it's like the very point. It's like these, these three issues with abortion, it's permissible if, if this happens. Yeah, but it's not permissible after 220 right. days. This is what goes on. If it does happen after 120 days, there has to be some extraordinary circumstance, threat of harm to the mother. Um, and threat of harm to mother can be interpreted. It could be physical or mental, right? So it could be a rape victim, right? Uh, uh, it, there could be incest in things that, and and that can come to play uh, where someone say, okay. Um, but generally you're talking about a collective culture Islamic context, which is very different than what you're talking about, right. which and is that, why the advocacy doesn't have to happen like you like like you're talking about, because even in America, our liberal democracy, which I would argue that I would argue that Islam is a liberal democracy, but it's on a it's a collective tribal. I would argue that, um, and it happens internally, and you guys don't see that. Yeah, sure. there is so much self governing that goes on. And there's so much arbitration that goes on at the micro level that you guys don't see it. Right, right, yeah, and and there's same things uh, can go on with within Christianity too, um, but I, I particularly in an Islamic context, like that that all makes sense. Um, but you here here we have you as a Muslim, me as a Christian, and we're kind of dropped into this uh, contemporary uh, liberal democracy, which is. Um, even even though a lot of the the rule of law we could say uh, was inspired by um, Christian history uh, and kind of the development of Christendom, it's not an explicitly Christian uh, legal um, construct, right? It's it's we're we're a diverse country. Um, you're you're as much you're you as as a Muslim have as much citizen citizen rights and influence as I do, um, right? And that that seems to be a fundamentally different question of self-government in a diverse context. Does that make sense? So like if, yeah. if you're talking about kind of, with, you know, number one, within a Christian or Muslim uh, community, wherever that may be, or within a uh, uh, majority Muslim country where like, you know, the governance, the governance and the theology are in sync um, for good or ill. However, that happens just historically speaking, right? There's a there, you know, there's a, there's an Islamic state. Um, but when all of a sudden you put you and me together, uh, with, with Jews and people of other faiths, um, and Hindus and, you know, the whole spectrum where, like how it, how would my question is, and you don't have to have a pat answer for this. I don't really expect one. Uh, the interesting question to me is given that so much of our lives, particularly within the community are shaped by our, our Holy scriptures. Um, our holy scriptures were delivered and written in the context of kings and kingdoms and emperors and empires, and now we're living in a situation in a in a, um, uh, a liberal democracy. <laughs> it's it's a liberal democracy, uh, but even going a step further, it's um, popular sovereignty, right? And so we, as a collective, but religiously, convictionally, philosophically diverse uh, population, uh, our ultimate authority. Uh, is in us as a as a collective body. We basically hire and fire <laughs> executives, not kings, right? We hire and fire presidents and governors and and all that kind of stuff. So right. it's it's just a generally interesting question to me how we get from uh, holy scripture because uh, I I have this conversation with 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 Christians and you I may have uh, enunciated this on this podcast before. Uh, it's an interesting question to me because even the clo even the scriptures that we have that are most closely relative to governing. Uh, Romans 13, second, uh, first Peter two, uh, and other places, even when we, even when we take those as inspiration and principles, when we try to deploy them in this particular governing context, we're making a, a contextualization move, right? We're recontextualizing right. those kinds of principles. I'm the, I don't say we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it is a move, uh, that is interesting to me. And I'm, I'm, 
I'm just curious how how other phase kind of navigate that, uh, if it's, at all, or or is there a big separation between? Well, I'm Muslim, and so we're going to do Muslim things in my community, but then when I'm out voting, uh, out in the voting booth, I don't really take that with. It's me. an interesting question. I I think a lot of times it's fair to say. So I, I mean, I, I'll t- I can talk a little bit about me personally, but I think it's fair to say that it it, it appears to be an external issue from the Muslim community. All right. So, uh, and, and I, I don't, I'm sure there is an advocacy. I know that when I was at the American Islamic Congress, Project Noor, uh, which was in 95 campuses all over the country, was the alternative to the MSAs, the Muslim Student Associations. Um, and, and, and did clash uh, our, our, uh, because our, MSAs are sort of top down. Uh, there's sort of a, a a line, a narrative that comes down from ISNA that that says um, Islamic Society of North America that's, that's that says, all right, here's the Quran. This is how it's interpreted. The leadership is appointed in a very specific um, from very it was, it was they were appointed in very specific sects of Islam, and that was one of the issues that I had dealt with where. There was a lot of men that were appointed at that time there within within the MSAs, and then on top of that, it was the Sunnis, Sunni men, uh, and then it was Sunni men that were very conservative, and then were interpreting had authority almost. They didn't have authority from on high, but they had authority implicitly, and then utilized that because they were in charge to interpret religious law on campuses. Sure, uh, which now you now you're you're heading into uh, treacherous waters, all right? Because now you're essentially cre- creating an imamship at the micro level and people are going to look for guidance from these people, right? Yeah. And so is there something wrong with that? Not necessarily if there is a, uh, if, it, if you're, ju- you're judicious in how someone is appointed and there's particip- and it's participatory. It's different when it comes from on high. The the market has changed now. Now uh, most MSAs are are very very different, and there was plenty of democratic sort of liberal MSAs at that time. But Project Nor was seen as the other, the alternative voice, and as and and each chapter could do whatever they wanted. Um, and there was quite the, there was there were quite amount of liberal. Uh, agendas within those MSAs. And that's kind of where it resided. You know, that period of self-discovery as you're in college and you're becoming an advocate for an issue. Uh, And, but I think communities by and large, and we're talking post 9-11, we're dealing with major problems with security and uh, Islamophobia and uh, hate crimes that abortion was really low on on the totem pole. I would liken it to, and this is my, this is how I would liken it to evangelicalism pre-fall of the Soviet Union, right? So before the Soviet Union fell, you guys were all in on uh, the godless Soviets, right? So you were all in on that. But the second you didn't have that, all of a sudden abortion starts rising to the top. Well, Abortion was they overlapped. Well, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, so the, I mean the the rise the rise against um, abortion on demand uh, started as early as the 70s, mid to late 70s, uh, and then energized in the 80s. So it wasn't, and then and then uh, blossomed into what it is in the 90s into the 2000s. The Soviets Soviets didn't happen until or didn't fall till uh, 91. 90, 91, yeah. 80, 89 to 91. 89 to 91 is so when they, things so they, kind of... So they overlapped, but that is, I mean, that's a whole other story. Is that, Yeah, so I mean, I'm poking the bear a little bit, but the point is, is that, well, that, you, that there's a major the- enemy, a major issue being, being dealt with by the Christian community, you know, and and at that point, I would, I mean, I'd argue the point that godless Russian Soviets was a big issue, and 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 the abortion issue was sort of simmering and, and then starting to move in the 80s, same thing is ha- same thing. I think has happened in in uh, in the Muslim community. Two thousand, there was no but there were no Muslim organizations. You had yeah. you had ISNA, you had ICNA, you had uh, Care, 
you had three organizations that were well-funded uh, and origins came from a particular sect of Islam and a particular conservative sect of Islam. Sure. And they had a 50-year head start on all of us. Uh, American Islamic Congress was so innovative in the fact that it was the only alternative voice at the time. Now, there are so many Muslim organizations all over the world, all over the United States that are doing advocacy on specific issues, you know, Muslims for progressive values and at all kinds. And so, and even ISNA, CARE, and ICNA, which have origins that are treacherous and troublesome, um, now are just right of center. And now you have these organizations that are way out um, to the far to the right. And when I mean right, I don't mean right in your sense of the word, in the Christian sense of the, uh, or the, the, the alt-right, or that's, I mean, yeah. in conservatism and treading towards ISIS, you know? So, so you know, with, with all of a sudden ISIS and, you know, ISNA's a liberal organization, you're like, what? So CARE is great. They're doing advocacy now. And they're, for all Muslims, wow! You know, like, and, and so, and do a lot of good work. Uh, and it, part of it is because they were so subversive for such a long time, they have the skill set to do that. And I'm sure that they advocate on the abortion issue, but I, I don't know. But the care that I used to deal with was a tough organization. The care, the ISNA that I used to deal with was a tough organization. And they were, they were, it, it didn't get any farther right and it didn't get any more conservative um, MPAC, you know. And now all these organizations are collaborative. They're because they're just right of center now, because there's much worse. Now they're, they're like right where AIC was, the American Islamic Congress was. Right. Um, That's funny. It, it's really weird. Um, so what what, 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 are, what do you speculate are the reasons for that? Is that uh, ISIS? Yeah. You know, uh, Al Qaeda? You know, you have these, you have groups masquerading as Muslims, right? So I, so there's maxims in Islam. You, those maxims, what happens when you, when you cross those maxims is up for debate in Islam. So I'll give you an example. I, I, I was interacting with uh, a young lady who's a Muslim leader in, in, in Washington, uh, attends, would attend some of the, a lot of the meetings that, that I would attend to attend and, and was a little bit younger than me, but when we were talking about ISIS and I was talking about how they're not Muslim, yeah, they may claim it, but once you violate the tenets of war, for example, right, you can only fight in defense. You can only, you can't hurt women and children. You can't, that sort of thing. You cease to be Muslim. So her, there, there's a Hadith that said that, that where that a lot of people refer, refer back to, and they say, well, no Muslim can t- say that another person's not, that another Muslim's not Muslim, right? They can't make that judgment. That's up to Allah. Well, that, and so her argument was everybody in ISIS is Muslim uh, and only, only Allah can make that judgment. And I'm like, well, I was like, how are you doing advocacy? I was like, are you being serious? And she said it in front of other Muslims. And I'm sitting there going, this is completely insane. Like, how do you, so so by that by that definition, you can claim to be Muslim, murder somebody in the name of Islam, even though we know you're not, and it's not up to up to, up to the, the Muslim community to decide, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is it's very like, who am I to decide? This is my opinion. I don't have, you know, I'm not advocating that other Muslims need to decide who and who is and who isn't in Islam. And it happens all the time. I mean, my, my own family will say, you're not Muslim. You know, um, my, you know, when I got married, uh, there, there were Shia 12ers and they, they did a, 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 a shada. They, 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 uh, they did a, a, a conversion for me to being, from being a smiley to being a 12er in absentia. <laughs> I remember you saying that. I, you know, because I'm not Muslim, you know, and then they decided, well, I'm a jinn. Let me, let me translate. Let me translate. Uh, this would be like I, as a Baptist, being declared um, and I guess confirmed into say, and I'm not making a, an equivalence between. It's like you, it's the, the Twelvers and this particular body, but it would be like me, a Baptist, uh, local church autonomy, being um, uh, in absentia, being uh, confirmed or. Uh, um, Converted. Well, do it the other way. It's like Methodism, Methodism or in the call in Catholicism, right? Right. It's like taking a Catholic uh, and then doing, and making them a born again in absentia. I mean that that 
it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> and, and can anybody tell the difference between Muslims who's not Muslim? No, that's the point. So like, the difference is, so what the point is, is that it, 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 we only, only Muslims, Muslims, like I, I, I go to, I go to, when I'm in DC, I go to a 12 mosque, right? Uh-huh. I, I go in, you know, you're supposed to pop, you know, two rakats in the mosque right off the bat before prayer time, right? So you pop up two, 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 two rakats in the mosque, right? So you do two prayer cycles, right? And, and right away I'm, I'm doing my, I'm, I'm going through uh, my prayers and right away uh, I, I, I finish and I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting down on the John Amaz and my buddy goes to me, you're not praying, right? And if you're not praying right, uh, I'm not sure you're Muslim. I mean, that, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of judgment that happens within the faith groups in an interfaith level that's happening. And, and so, when, so when someone says to me, it's really funny when something as big as ISIS and says, well, they're not, they, you know, I can't judge them. They are Muslim. What was funny is this young lady went to the imam, went to the imam at the, at the, at the, at the mosque. At the MMRK. And 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 the mom goes, they're they're a doomsday cult and they're not Muslim. And, it, and it's it's funny that that conversation has not happened. Yeah. And this person's advocating for Muslims, and you know, and so it's it was it was just such a peculiar moment in time. And then I was it was refreshing for the imam to have that that conclusion and to to forward that conclusion to her. Um, but even still, after that, she goes, "Well, I don't know. I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this: the um, in in Christianity, we have something. It's not necessarily a popular like term, but it's it's done in practice basically by everybody even if they don't call it this but um we have a term that's been popularized more recently called theological triage right which basically means it's making a hierarchy of theological uh, commitments um that help help us kind of decipher um who's kind of within big c christianity globally um and then what are the so like um virgin birth and resurrection from the dead. Like you kind of have to believe in that. Right. 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 Um, what are the, what are the big, what are the big things that the beliefs that without which we're like, uh, like that's not Christianity. That's either heresy or it's just not Christianity. Um, and then the next tier would be, um, secondary or some people call it denominational convictions so that, um, we would recognize that Presbyterians and Methodists, um, and Baptists are all like Christians together. Um, but we wouldn't necessarily, um, we have certain convictions about the order of the church, um, that, that, that would, even though we could attend each other's worship services and be, and typically be comfortable, we wouldn't necessarily be joining membership into those local bodies. Right. So it's a denominational thing, right? So it's, it's big stuff. You, you are, or are not a Christian, uh, secondary stuff. You are, or not a particular, uh, variety of Christian, uh, domination. And then the third is like tertiary stuff, which is, uh, individuals within a church, even within an, a particular community group or a Sunday school class, right. uh, might have different convictions on it, but we're not break what not the term, uh, breaking fellowship. We're not breaking fellowship with one another, um, over, over those issues. Um, is there anything like that in Islam or is it, is it more a- amorphous? Well, I mean, you have the five pillars, right? So you have the five pillars of Islam and that's very, you have to, there's certain, it's, it's not there, but they're not. So the, so the fact, you know, if when you you think of the five pillars of Islam, they are foundational and continuous, but they're not isolated to once you once it's, it's not like something that, it's like it's like the Quran. The Quran is the living word of Allah. It's not something that's just read. It's something to be practiced. It's something to be pined over. I mean, that's what that's what Ramadan is. You know what happens in Ramadan? You're supposed to fast, right? But why? But you're supposed to read, and, and everyone knows the fasting, and everybody knows the breaking the fast. And everybody knows there's a there's a, a sort of atonement during through through the fasting. But you're supposed to read the Quran from beginning to end during. Ramadan every year. Yeah. So 
but the five pillars, right? So you have the shahada, you have the profession of faith, right? Then you have your salat, you have to prayer, right? Pray all the time, right? Then you have alms, we have, you have zakat, right? Then you have fasting, and then you have the pilgrimage, hajj, right? Those are the five pillars. But there's more to Islam than that. You have to also agree, right? So you, the, the, you, have, the, you have the idea that, that, that there is more to a faith. There's community theology. I always say it's community theology and identity. And so, you know, so I do it sometimes. I say, well, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I'm Muslim, but I may not be the best Muslim on the planet. Right? Um, there's a lot of people that turn around and they, they look at my name, John, and they say, well, it's not, you're not Muslim because you don't have a Muslim name. And I'm like, well, you can call me Yahya if that makes you feel any better, which is John in Arabic. <laughs> so, um, so the, and it's that insignificant, right? It's that right. superficial sometimes. When I think of maxims, what are the what's the what are the what's the contract that you have signed on to with those what by adhering to those pillars? And the contract is what is in not in the Quran, the, the Sunnah, and the Hadith, right? And so the idea that you are, and so the the Quran is is the word of Allah, right? The Sunnah is how the prophet lived, right? And then the hadiths are sayings, and some of the sayings, sayings of the prophet. So we there, and it can be it can be very explicit, and some of it can be very interpretive. So, um, and I'm not going to muddy the water with any of that. So the challenge is, is that there's there's very very clear line of direction, and I'll give you an example of something that is 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 misinterpreted, um, the burqa, right? So. I always think of my I always think of my cousin. I think of so the Sunnah, how the Prophet lived, right? Peace be upon him. Is the Prophet's wives wore wore coverings so they wouldn't be desired by the outsiders, right? So they would they would be chased and they and they wouldn't and it wouldn't be any kind of sexual component, right? Some people interpret the, that as women are required to wear them. Right. And that's something that being chased is something that's decided by the, by the woman, not the man. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but that's misinterpreted all the time as general Islam, right. Or, or something that, you know, uh, coverings are required. I mean, even the, uh, the hijab is interpretive, uh, whether or not a hijab is required or not, and what the word, what, whether in the Quran, what it actually means, that's up for, there's some debate on that. Um, so when I think of maxims, I always use jihad as a good example. And jihad is such a great example because there's specific rules on how to fight or when to fight. And, and, and there's very, very leeway on that. So if you violate those rules, then you cease to be Muslim because now you're going into dignity of the human person and preservation of life, which are, they're unarguable points in Islam. And anybody who argues violence, aggressive violence, anything that's non-defensive is off the rails. And that's the beauty of Islam, where I don't know how you could be a father of Hazadisa and, and, and try to justify war. Like, I don't get that. I don't get any Christian that would raise arms or be a soldier. I don't understand that because there's virtually no, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's virtually no, no justification to fight. Um, or to raise arms against somebody else. This is just me speaking, right? Yeah, sure. And, I, and I, so I, when I think, wait, put, just put a pin in it. That's uh, not necessarily uh, the Christian tradition in history. There, there's certain that's a voice. Well, there's but, tradition, but there's 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 voice that's certainly uh, a voice um, within Christendom, uh, within Christian history. That's that that's a part of, uh, uh, but it's not comprehensive. It's not a like it's the not Quakers. A, it's not a. You know? it's not a it's not a comprehensive understanding um, across uh, Christian tradition, and I would argue even in Scripture. But it is it is a thing. There are are, are Christians uh, who I would defend as Christians who uh, take that understanding. Yes. I mean, you got you know. So again, I'm not. I don't want to muddy the water too deep, but you know, but how do you advocate? Certainly, I would agree on, on behalf of Christianity or on behalf of Jesus, like right. going forth and willing. So I think you're 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 absolutely right. That's a it's it's so you know so this this is you know so here we are 
in, in Islam, you have this really strange requirement to, to be extremely judicious and, ex- to, and, and not only that, to, to be, to not engage in conflict where someone will die or hurt, you'll hurt somebody. And yet we are dealing, we deal with this idea of terrorism and this idea of individuals that are claiming to be Muslim, but then you have Muslims that will not denounce them, will not say this is it. They violated a maxim. And so, but there's plenty that, that will, yeah. um, but getting back to your question about, about advocacy, it's interesting because, so there's, a, you know, the guy, you know, Mehdi Hassan, he's on the, he's on, he's on the news. He's got his own show on TV okay. and Mehdi reminds me, and this is this, I, I don't mean this to sound patronizing at all. It's not the intent. He reminds me of me when I was at AIC. It was my job to advocate. It was my job to be loud. It was my job to get into every issue. So there no issue was off the table. My, you know, I deal with 80% of my issues that I dealt with on my career international, right? And national security issues and mostly country specific stuff. I didn't really tangle in domestic issues. Uh, even the International Religious Freedom Roundtable that we were part of didn't have a component for the domestic until recently. Now there's a domestic committee. I didn't know if you knew that. Au contraire. What? I did not, a, I did, yeah, I did not know there was a domestic committee. Uh, like I did, however, I, I bear, I bear the uh, uh, the uniqueness, however you want to describe it, uh, of having circulated the first ever domestic issue sign-on letter within the Earth Roundtable. That's my point. And and the and the I don't know if you. It's not a which one was it organization? So it's not it's not charter. I'll tell you in a second. It's not however the. The papers that describe the, you know, right. I don't know if you'd call it the charter or whatever that, that document is that uh, the Earth Roundtable has. Yeah. It describes what we do. It actually, uh, I'm not sure if it specifies domestic, but there's nothing in it limiting um, uh, it to uh, well, collaboration. You remember and, the conversations that we used to have of whether, of whether oh, yeah, we sure. get into the domestic yeah. issues and we're, we're global religious freedom. I remember yeah, sure. all those weird conversations like, ah. Yeah, you know. sure. Yeah. Now, now, to be fair, it, it is the International Religious Freedom Roundtable, and the part of the reason uh, that group uh, is is so uh, effective and um, I'd say durable is because we focus the tension on international religious issues where wherein there is the most agreement. Right? There is the most agreement on policy on as far as like. Well, I say. No, this agreement with like domestically, it, it polarizes Im- immediately. It's exactly. not talking about American issues. Everybody's exactly. fine because we're, we love to tell everybody else what to do. So, well, exactly. But when, when I, I sometimes explain it this way, when domestically we disagree a lot, even on religious freedom issues domestically. Um, but when people, when people abroad are being locked up, killed, slaughtered, otherwise persecuted on behalf of their faith, uh, or on behalf of their non-faith, uh, in the case of um, a- atheists, uh, we, all, we all kind of agree that that's a bad thing, right? So right. It's, it's pretty easy to get an uh, agreement on those issues uh, when those kinds of uh, religious freedom issues are so, so acute uh, and so obvious to everybody. But yes, to your question, the, the topic of the first ever um, domestic uh, religious freedom letter, sign-on letter circulated through um, uh, the Earth Roundtable was one that I and I think it was, yes, it was, it was I and Hillary Burns from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops uh, collaborated on together. And it had to do with objecting to what was then, um, this was early uh, in my IRF pres- uh, participation, I think it was somewhere between 2011, 2013. Mm. And we objected to the, um, it was the, Ob- the Obama's um, quote, uh, um, uh, it was the birth control mandate, uh, abort- oh, okay. birth control and abortive fashion mandate. Um, so they were requiring uh, employers, including religious nonprofits at the time, uh, to fund basically with their employees' insurance programs um, access to contraceptives and abortive fashions. And that like the Hobby Lobby stuff. Yeah, it's the Hobby Lobby stuff. So it, um, in in the case of uh, so it was in the nonprofit space. The Supreme Court decision was Little Sisters of the Poor ultimately, and the in the um, for profit space, the decision was ultimately Hobby Lobby. Um, both of which um, we. <laughs> One, but uh, before those uh, cases percolated through the through the court system, uh, Hillary and I had uh, collaborated on circulating a 
sign-on letter that achieved over well over a hundred signatories, um, including um, a pretty diverse set of voices. Um, I'm a little foggy on whether we at the time we had the relationships then to get uh, Islamic signatories. I don't think we did. I think that was a disappointment of mine at the time. Um, but it was pretty diverse. We had uh, Jews, Christians. Um, and uh, I think uh, Hindus and even a, a pro-choice uh, attorney, uh, an otherwise irreligious uh, pro-choice attorney. I'm not going to say her name on here. So you, you would re remember her. Um, but she was per personally pro-choice, but she recognized that if the federal government had the power to do this uh, to particular religious folks, they could do uh, a bunch of other stuff that was untoward that she would disagree with. So um, it was pretty successful. But yeah, I, I did the domestic thing within the... I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I never... And I, you know, who wants to touch it? No, it got a little bit, bit of pushback, but the chairs were like, look, if you can, you know, if you oppose this particular letter, it's uh, every, all these initiatives are opt in and they could have circulated their own, um, right. own letter in support of the Obama <clears throat> administration policy. Uh, they did not, they chose wow. not to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's America Islam, do that within the round table. Yeah. I mean, America, Islamic Congress, like, so our issues domestically was to diversify the American Muslim civil society. So where we, we could find groups and that's happened, you know, um, and it was part of that. These much more groups than the, than the three groups that represented the Muslim community for almost 50 years. And that, so that was, that was it. Islamophobia. Uh, and, 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 and that at the, on the, you know, make, uh, on, on the civilian side and on the government side, dealing with you know, wiretapping and all those things uh, and, and, and education. That was the big, that was the other thing. Yeah, sure. Making sure that we could figure out, I remember catching, it was the FBI training on Muslims, on Islam. And it was, it was funny. It was, it was made by like a, like a Wahhabi and, and basically said, anybody who has these specific things that identified someone as a Shia, then they would be, they're, they're terrorists. And this was made by a Wahhabi that, that was working with the government. And I remember revamping those FBI documents going, well, so, you know, if it mentions Ali, for example, all of a sudden they're terrorists, right? It's ridiculous. So, um, and, and that, but that was the training materials at the, and the, at the time. And that was like 2010 to 2013. And I remember, you know, arguing with these consultants and dealing with all this stuff and advocating that there needs to be a committee of people. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be me, but there needs to be a lot of people in there from different sects of Islam to define what, um, what 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 was what was uh, what would be training materials for the FBI to figure out when they pull somebody over in a car, for example, you know, if it has something that says Ali, that doesn't mean they're a terrorist and to arrest them on the spot because they're, you know, right. they're, they're a threat to the government. It's ridiculous. If, if only it was that easy. If only, well, but, if, but, if, but it if was. Only terror, if only if well, if only if terrorists drove around with stickers on their car, we could we could yeah we, we could all be it's safe. Ridiculous. <laughs> it, was, it was completely well. Admittedly, Muslims do have a lot of things hanging from their mirrors in their cars and so but they're all prayer okay so admittedly there's a lot of christians have uh, fish stuck all over our cars so yeah yeah i mean it is a tchotchke based society and that that you know and i don't mean that but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in cars and on mantles and things i mean i you know i i have a ring that that, that has a prayer on it i you know i have i, have, I would carry a, you know a necklace with a stone with a prayer on it. i mean there's a lot of you know, a lot, of course, a lot of gadgets, a lot, lot of trinkets and gadgets. Well, someone, but people say this is haram because it's idol worship now. Now we're going, oh my God, it's from Karbala. It's from the ground. What are we talking about? You know, so, so you're not, you're not imputing, um, you're not using it as like a talisman. I'm, I'm not, well, there are, there is a Tawis, there are, are talismans. Let's not go, let's not go, but well, let's, I don't want to. particular thing, not everything is a talisman. Well, not everything, you know, there's. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, like I, I'm, I pray on a janamaz on a prayer rug, but that I'm not praying to the rug, the carpet. <laughs> but I, I do use that. No, I, I had my 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 one of my Sunni friends says you can't, you know, you should be able to do it anywhere. And I go, and and, I, and so what he does is he takes a little paper towel, yeah, and it's hit, and 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 I, I this is just this is bonkers to me. And as long as he had, his head doesn't touch the ground right here, doesn't touch the ground, he puts a little paper towel. He can pray. And yes, in, in general, you can pray. It's fine. But it, it's completely dumbfounded. Like I have a scarf that I carry with me when I'm anywhere. I have a, uh, and, and, and that scarf um, is, uh, 
is is essentially can be laid out and used as a janamas, right? And so uh, Shia generally use what's called the sajdaka, which is like a little piece of earth from a holy site, and that's where they put their head. Now, do we are all these necessary? Probably not, but the ritual and esoteric nature, particularly of love of my sect, believes in, 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 in setting the tone correctly, right? And that's very comfortable for us. Can you do it without it? Absolutely. But my one of my Sunni friends is like, you're you're completely bonkers, you're completely insane. You know, and that but I see him on a paper towel and I'm like, what are you doing? What are we talking about here? You know what I mean? Like it's so- I see I see you both trying to adapt uh in a in a in your particular context trying to be faithful um i would never say i would never say i would never say prayers don't mean anything yeah you're you're adapting differently you're adapting differently even if you think each other are weird in your attitude yeah and that's just normal peculiarities you know that i i i i can't i i freaks me out i'm just like what are we doing what's the paper what are you doing with the paper and i go how is that and and it but but it, and I, and like I said, I'm not going to devalue. I'm not going to devalue you know his slotting out at all. I'm going to say I say okay, that's good for you, but it really feels uncomfortable. Let's be honest with you. I was like, I go, I, I, I like ski. It just it's just like doing just you know when you do when you do you know wazoo when you're doing it when you're doing the, the, the evolution you're washing your hands and stuff and you're doing going. I can't do it in a bathroom. I feel like you're in the bathroom. So anytime, you know, so like right off the bat, I get really nervous when people are like going into the bathroom to do it. I go, it's the dirty, it's not, it's not park. And, and so I understand cleanliness laws and the it's treacherous to get into that stuff, but it's just, it's a personal thing. So, you know, will I do it in a bathroom? I don't know, but I just feel like you're devaluing the whole idea behind it by going into a bathroom. So, I mean, there's a whole slew of people that would be cheering up for this. And there's also people going, he's completely bonkers. So, um, but, and, and, but it's, I'm not imposing that on anybody because it, it, you interpret what you want to interpret. But again, back to your question. I, I think that, the, that a collective culture, Islamic context, these issues are kind of dealt with internally. Personally, I think we spoke about it. I have some personal issues associated with with, with abortion. And then on top of that, I, there's, there's a, the being a dude in America, we're hazed, you know, to not, particularly my generation, right. I'm 50 years old, not to weigh in on these issues because it's a, it's a woman's issue. Right. And now we're in a period where, you know, it's not it, the definition of what a woman is, 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 is amorphous. And, but as a man, do I have an opinion about it? Yes. Am I willing to share my opinion? Absolutely. Did I do it last time? Yes. But am I, is I've never, I, I've never, I've never protested anything in my life. I'm, I work in process. I'm this, when people, people put on protest, people used to stay at my house on 25th and K go to the, you know, drink, go to pro, go, go to a protest, come back, pass out, pat themselves on the back and I talk about all the great things. And then uh, and then everybody said, well, why aren't you coming? And I used to tell them, I'm the so what and the what now. I'm the guy who works in process over the course of uh, and tries to build a coalition of people to make decisions and to make the, now the right. policy. And that's that's what I do. Um, I've never gone out on a protest and marched on anything. Um, I, I do the I'm, I'm the I feel like we do, I do the like, you know, some of the, the heavy lifting so that we can get to something. And then and any kind of movement needs. And everybody hates them. And then everybody hates you because you compromised. You know, so, right. You know, so, so you know, so that's a, you know, that's the thing. This is one of those shadowy figures in DC that everybody talks about, right? So, um, but so that so to answer your question, I'm I'm a hundred percent positive there are groups that do this now uh, that advocate within the Muslim community. I would I would probably single out Muslims for progressive values. They and and I don't I can't I can't speak on their behalf, but they. I've adopted a, a progressive agenda and, and, uh, and, and I, I know that they are passionate about these issues. Project Noor, because it was a younger crowd uh, and because it was, it was a hotbed on, 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 on college campuses. We're dealing with, I remember UC Berkeley, UC Berkeley. I remember there every, every other day there was an issue and every other day there was another issue that, that happened 
associated with uh, domestic issues. Uh, and and I I know that as the director of government and international relations, we were dealing with made we were dealing you know we were at the bottom we were dealing with a pyramid of issues and it was national security, Islamophobia, and those sort of things. Um, but now I would think there's probably a number of populations dealing with such such items and collaborating on such items. But I think that it's hard to. I, I think there's enough leeway within Islam, within the exceptions to abortion, uh, and it's very explicit on the sanctity of, of 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 individual life and the dignity of the human person. That I would think that there would be very very specific talking points. Whoever's right. developing them these days, right. sure, sure. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, we got, uh, we, this was all fascinating. This was a different topic than we talked about getting onto. Well, today. we had a question from a listener. So yeah, we, no, we, so no, we got to make good, sure it's a good conversation. I'm, I'm glad we went there. Um, and, uh, cause I certainly learned a lot. Uh, the next, uh, next up our, uh, what should be our, our next conversation. I'll, we'll, we'll tee up now. We had intended to talk about John's, uh, perspective, uh, and experience on the Ukraine war. Um, but we'll have to save that for next time. Um, cause he's, he's been in, involved and has a probably unique vantage point. Uh, and so I'd love to get his, uh, perspective, um, on that. So, and there's faith components too. We can, we, there's a quite a bit oh, yeah, to- of totally, faith communities. Totally some faith components. I'm not, I'm not as up and, uh, um, uh, well, we'll, we'll say that topic for next time. Hopefully yeah. we'll, there'll be some resolve and, uh, but I've got I've got to flag this before we go. My while I was on with you, my wife texted me as a reminder. I for some reason I thought it was a, a few days later, but uh, today as we record this, it'll be posted later. But at, on the recording of this podcast, uh, it was four years ago that I survived a heart attack at age at age forty uh, in Washington D.C. Um, I've since <laughs> I've since had last year was a little more adventurous because i had open heart surgery and and abortion yeah. but uh here let's we're ha- almost halfway through uh 2022 and no no heart um procedures so that's uh, a positive but it was four years ago today uh technically it was on a thursday um then in 2018 that i survived a widow maker heart attack um yeah. and had a stint placed so anyway i mean that's a story for another it, time but i, I want no, to that's a, it's an amazing it. thing because it's completely changed your how you've interact, interfa- interacted with the world. So that the reason why we do this podcast is that we have we used to have conversations in the Beltway and they just think about not just your heart attack, but there's been COVID and all yeah. different types of event, world events that have transpired. You're now not in DC. Um, I'm not in DC only when I need to be to fly in for meetings and stuff. Uh, but we're all- to be in DC. Well, now it doesn't- Only it, when you need to be. <laughs> only people that are in the Beltway are a bunch of nerds. And there's no reason to sit down and have meetings to, to be living in the beltway it's virtually there's no because of our virtual world now. Um, but it, it was a, had a profound effect in you. I remember our conversation and I go going and, and, and I remember you transitioning out into wanting to do grad school. And, and so that's now you've evolved into this a whole new identity where I think our advocacy and our reach is profound when it comes to the podcast because we have more of a global community than a global uh, listenership uh, is larger than our domestic listenership. And, uh, but our, the majority of our, of our listenership are millennials. And so the idea of one of the reasons why we did this is not only to bring our conversations to light, but also to, um, to, to, to empower, encourage the next generation. And so um, your, the event that happened with your heart, I, I think, has had a allowed us to 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 not only follow that, take that conversation to where it is now, which was we just talked about it and we said maybe there'll be interest, maybe there won't, but then from there to increase our advocacy to the point where we where we're having this conversation and sharing it, which is treacherous. Like this conversation, if 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 the Muslim population gets a hold of it, I, oh my god! So, so you know, like, uh, um, but. Uh, but anyways, I, I think that um, we 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 are who we are, and as I, we don't agree on a lot of issues, uh, uh, we especially Paul. <laughs> I, I just I really wonder why he didn't get any divine word to write, write down. I really John and I are all about multi faith uh, uh, friendliness and collaboration, except when it comes to the books written by Paul, and that it's that it's fight. they weren't they weren't books fight. they were letters. <laughs> To people, private letters. They're private. They're clearly not private. 
God. They're the point. How do you eliminate how do you eliminate stuff like the book of Enoch in lieu of a letter from Paul? It just it it's it just it makes no sense to me. That's but, a fair question. I don't have the answer at my fingertips, but uh, I mean, we, I'm, and, we you know, discuss canons. Uh, but I do think that canons at a different date. It's what's really neat is is that most people don't know that the Paul's letters predate the Gospels, so that's amazing. Some of that, yeah, you might be right about some of that, yeah. Well, the the, the Gospels are generally. Fourth century documents masquerading they as first century not documents. Fourth century. Stop okay. It. All right. That's fourth century. <laughs> Absolutely. A generation. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. That's nonsense. All right. Are we going to get? The, we're going to get a guy. <laughs> we're going to get a nerd who on here to 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 to, to suss this out. No, All right. No credible scholarship, please. What does that mean? No credible scholarship. from the fourth century for crying oh, out I loud. Can't, the I reason can't. they're canonical. The reason they're one of the reasons they're canonical. Is because they because were a pagan generation. King, no, because a pagan king Constantine decided that we that he that this is a really great way to Not really great gaff to control uh, to to revamp the Roman Empire. So and the God King thing, we're gonna. Not the history. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the history. I'm I'm pretty sure that's it. So we're gonna do the God his the God King thing, the and we're gonna get rid of all this other stuff related to Hazadisa. And look, I'll get myself in trouble here. I believe. See, look, look at the time, John. We, I, know, I believe yeah. that that Islam is the It was part of the reason why Islam was so successful in its in its inception was because you have a a, a meeting of you have if the the prophet interacting with Jibril, you know, and, and peace be upon him. But you had this diaspora of the Jewish Jesus movement. And that became the initial community because of the Muslim community, because very the proto-Islam is the Jewish Jesus movement. That, let me just tell you right now, that's off the rails. Like, that's just as crazy as you saying that it's not a fourth century document. That's just as... Not a fourth century document. Pretty sure they are. They codified. They they codified in a a broad uh, institutional agreement on the document, but the documents were there. They, yeah, but there was a bunch of other existed. documents that you threw away. Did you? Yeah. Did you say no? Because yeah, they didn't meet. They didn't meet the criteria. The criteria was to preserve the empire. No, it was not. I can't. I can't. All right, we got to get there's, a nerd. There's nothing, there's nothing a nerd. appalling stuff that would just like perpetuate the empire for crying out loud. Oh, but listen, I have this picture. <laughs> Hold on, I have this picture here. Stop. Hold on, hold on. He's off screen. I'm going to end the podcast right now. No, no, don't end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have this picture. It's called the uh, the Christian Martyrs. I, I know it's on the wall. Yeah, it's good. But I wonder what type of Christians those are. You know, what where what type of Christians are these guys? These guys on the crosses. You know, the lion. What do you mean? What types of Christians? I don't know. I don't. Which which what Christians are those? They're definitely not evangelicals. Maybe they're Gnostics. Maybe they're they're Monophysites. Maybe they're uh, I don't know. Which which what could like I wonder who those guys. first century Christians probably right. Jews and Gentiles right so so the prop well mostly Jews okay so what are these guys doing in here so which kind of Christians are these and 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 these once these guys are gone a lot of these guys were killed off and then your guys said let's we gotta we're gonna we're going to do the whole different thing here. That's silly. <laughs> this is, see this? So let's see, this is the Christians here, right? See right here? Yeah, Hold on. And then familiar. right here. And then this is, see this one guy right here? I don't know if I can do it. See this guy right here? That's your guys. They're going to take over. <laughs> that guy right there. <laughs> so anyways, let's, I'm, let's, I'm going to, I got, I have the perfect nerd that to bring on to talk about this. And he's, he's a, you know, hardcore Christian doctorate guy. And then maybe you should rack your brain with whatever, what we can find. What about your professor? I, Is I, it, I, I guess you're, yeah, I could, I could get it. Because we need to get, and it can't, it, but it can't be like somebody, it has to be somebody that's somewhat objective, you know? Well, it can't be somebody who's just going to be like, no, everything is just the way it is, and that's it. And yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, All someone right. who understands the the nuances and the depths of the uh, scholarship and the history. Yeah, you know. And, and, and someone who can uh, can explain multiple takes 
uh, multiple understandings while while also saying this is what I believe is uh, is the case while while giving while doing justice exp- explaining other other people's uh, uh, take. We got to get somebody that's there's the broad kinds of spread. books. Putin's not behind me. Again, the best. Is, he? is Putin behind me again? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> Let's We're so we'll, off the rails. We'll end on that note. But listen, the one listener that's hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's a whole story behind that. Um, let's. Uh, so next next time we'll talk. We'll we're going to talk about we'll talk about Ukraine and uh, and we'll we'll go, we'll get into the Ukrainian war and some of the religious aspects of it. And uh, and I've been involved in the Ukraine since 2016 with the Donbass and then uh, revamping and then on top of that some multi faiths some multi faith engagement um, and and advising Department of State. So I and involved in this last year all this business has gone on. So I'm happy to chat about that. Um, and then let's find a scholar to talk about uh, the, the the Bible, the canon. Sounds good. I like it. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time, bud. Thanks, my friend. <laughs> this has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Pinna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at MTHawk, at JTPinna, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.